On the program tonight, we've got a special guest. Jim Michaels is here. Jim just preached to us. We just concluded our gospel meeting session just a, just momentarily ago. That's why we're just a little bit late getting started this evening. But Jim is going to join us for the virtual Bible study. And we're just going to uh, kind of have a roundtable discussion about the things he taught us tonight from an Old Testament story about Jeroboam. With a lot of parallels for our life. And we're going to get started on that discussion right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you into the virtual bible study for thursday october 25th 2018 we're glad that you're joining us tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you good to be with you and uh sitting between the two of us tonight our special guest jim michaels jim well, thanks. Thanks for the invitation, and I look forward to, to being with you on the program. Yeah. We've been having a great gospel meeting here at College View. We've been telling you about this for the last several weeks. We've been encouraging you, if you are anywhere close to Middle Tennessee, to come and join us for our gospel meeting. And a number of folks have. Uh, we've had uh, uh, several visitors. We've had really good preaching. Jim did a great job tonight teaching about Jeroboam. I thought it was kind of interesting, Jacob. I think uh, three out of the four lessons during the weeknight this week have been from Old Testament text. Right. There's just so much powerful information in the Old Testament. Sometimes we get criticized because we don't believe the Old Testament is our law for living today. But we certainly understand the value of studying the Old Testament because there's so many great moral lessons for us. And, and a lot of our teaching during the Gospel meeting this week, at, lessons have been drawn from Old Testament text. All right. And uh, we'll try and get those up in the podcast feed here very shortly. Uh, you'll definitely want to go back and listen to those. And especially we'll get tonight's up and uh, you'll want to listen to that as well. Although we're going to talk about it extensively on the program tonight, and we'll look forward to you joining in as we look for parallels between uh, Jeroboam's life, and maybe his mistakes, and some mistakes that we've made in our lives, and uh, and some things that we can learn to make our lives better. Kyle's behind the controls tonight. Kyle, thank you for being here. It's always good to be. Yeah, and uh, you listen to the sermon as well, so sign, chime in with your your comments there as well. Hopefully, we'll get some other people. Uh, we, uh, literally, we just wrapped up just moments ago, so hopefully, some other people will filter over here and join in our discussion. Uh, one one little bit of housekeeping before we go further is remember that our gospel meeting concludes tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock, but it won't be a preaching service. It'll be a singing. Jim Deason will come from all the way from Coleman, Alabama to lead us in singing tomorrow night. He's a great song leader, and uh, he's been here before to do this very same thing. We always have great singings when he comes. Uh, it'll be very encouraging, uplifting. We'll be able to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs tomorrow night. So, again, if you're within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, please come tomorrow night as we wrap up our gospel meeting with a singing led by Jim Deason. All right. And so to our discussion tonight. Earlier today to our update list, we sent out the info about our discussion for tonight. And we mentioned that we'd be using Jim's lesson as the basis of our discussion and and Jim had four broad areas of 
consideration from the life of Jeroboam. We want to talk about each of these. By the way, if you're not on our update list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, and we'll be glad to put you on our list, and you'll get these updates every week. But the four broad areas that, Jim, that you talked to us about, Jeroboam had great opportunities, great responsibilities. Unfortunately, he did a lot of evil, and he suffered a great judgment for that. And there's direct application in every one of those categories. Well, they are. And particularly, even the first one, as you look at, all of us have great opportunities, and particularly in the country in which we live in. We have a lot of religious freedoms. We have a lot of material blessings. And so, uh, you know, God loves us. He makes provisions for us. And, you know, to have the salvation that is offered through Jesus Christ, you know, we don't have to be rich. We don't have to be educated. It doesn't matter the background that we come from, you know. The, those things really doesn't matter. Uh, but, you know, we, we have an opportunity to obey God and love God and serve God and be faithful to Him. And we have a number of, just, just like this opportunity this week, that, you've, that you guys have provided for people to come and to, to hear the gospel as it's being preached and proclaimed. And so, you know, you're, you're doing your part in, in providing opportunities for, for people and, and so that they can come and so that they can hear. And not, not only the opportunities that you offer here, but I know you offer home Bible studies, you offer Bible correspondence courses, and you offer a number of things. And just like this, this, this Internet broadcast, I mean, you offer that as an opportunity as well. And so you, you're providing those opportunities for people. And so, you know, one day all of us will be held responsible for, for if we've not taken advantage of the opportunities uh, because we failed to do those things. But we do have great opportunities about us, obviously. We got an email response from our friend Chris in Atlanta who said, in this country we have immeasurable opportunities. We are among the richest in the world, even the low-income people among us. With our wealth, technology, and so forth, there are many fields to harvest. We can hop on a plane and be on the other side of the world in hours. We can hop in a car and be in another state in no time. We have the Internet, email, social media, all of which can be amazing tools in spreading the gospel. No one is is hunting us down, throwing us in jail for preaching and so forth. God has showered blessings on us that few in history have ever had. I think that's right, Jacob. Absolutely. And you, know, you, you, you did a good job tonight showing us that God sort of just sort of set the table for Jeroboam. That all, everything that he needed was there. It was just up to Jeroboam to to take advantage of those opportunities that God had given him. Well, that's true, and, and he gave him the opportunity. I mean, he God is the one that selected him to be king uh, initially. Uh, we, we often think about it that the people wanted him to be king, and they did. They wanted him to be king, but God is the one that selected him and actually sent Ahijah to him and, and told him that even before Solomon died. I mean, even before Solomon died, he had already been selected to be uh, to, to be the king. And God knew that the, the, the nation of, of Israel would divide and become Judah and Israel, and yet he'd already selected him and uh, to be king. And he gave him all those material things. That, you know, Solomon provided, uh, you know, great material blessings in the nation at that time, the wisdom of Solomon, the, how wise he was and the material things. that uh, He didn't always use his wisdom right either. Of course, we, we know that. But Yet Jeroboam, he did have great opportunities, and God gave him those opportunities. And the problem was that he just didn't take advantage of them. So. I was thinking, uh, as you were saying that, Jim, just just like God chose Jeroboam, we have been chosen by God, not not in the Calvinistic sense of predestination, but in the sense that God has chosen the, those of who will respond in humble obedience 
can be his children. What an amazing thing that the God of heaven would choose me, miserable me, to be his child. That's, that's an incredibly amazing thing. But So God has chosen us. We've got, just like Jeroboam had people who would back him, we've got people who will support us and help us and strengthen us. Uh, and so uh, we've got... We've got great blessings that God has provided for us, uh, much like Jeroboam had, and we need to take advantage of those blessings. Jake, I was trying to think of the statistic that Steve Klein mentioned to us on Monday night, and uh, and I believe he said that if if you are above the official government poverty line in the United States, anybody who is above the poverty level, as our government specifies it, if you're above the poverty level in the United States, you are among the richest 1% of the people of the world. Isn't that amazing? Well, it is amazing. And uh, certainly those physical opportunities, spiritual opportunities, uh, we have we have what we need to be successful in God's eyes. Yeah. Yeah, much like you said, you, you know, we are the uh, chosen people of God. We are the elect. Of course, we're, you know, we're the elect or the chosen that God has selected the person uh, the individual person, but he selected the type person that will be saved, and all of us can can be that and be God's chosen people or the elect people, if we'll simply submit to Him. And and much like you said, it's not like the Calvinistic concept that God has already determined that my name's Jim and I'm either going to heaven or hell. God's already decided that for me. No, He made me a creature of choice, and I can choose whether or not to be saved by the grace of God. Uh, you know, I have to submit to God and do what God tells me to do. And he he is he has told told us the kind of person the person that will be obedient to him and obey the gospel then they are the elect of God that's the that's the type of person that can be saved and all of us can be that and uh, that that's the great thing about this I mean if even if we're not in that one percent uh, category of being wealthy we can still be saved yeah you know? we if we had if we didn't have a penny to our name we'd still yeah. be incredibly blessed through the spiritual blessings that come in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, someone might be listening and say, you know, that's right, but uh, I've made a big mess of my life. I've, I've squandered a lot of those opportunities. Well, Jeroboam had as well, but he's still one of those opportunities that God gave him and gives us is the opportunity for repentance and, uh, and a fresh start. Yeah, he does. And we see that in 1 Kings 13 where he sends the nameless man of God to us, at least. We don't know the man's name, but he goes and he cries out against Jeroboam and the things that Jeroboam was doing to give him the opportunity. Later in that chapter, he says, you know, he refused to do it and refused to listen. And the same, you're exactly right, the same is true with us. I, I know a fellow, he's, he's since passed from this life. I remember several years ago that he thought that he had done too many things wrong to be saved. Uh, and, you know, we're sitting and, and discussing this that, that same thought with, with him. And I said, listen, if Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, he was praying that to those that put him to death and those that crucified him. Now, the Father wouldn't forgive them without their repentance. But what Jesus was praying for was that they might be given the opportunity so that they could repent, and they were actually given that opportunity in Acts 2. Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost was he told them to repent. He said, you have crucified and slain the Lord, and said in verses 41, then those that gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day 3,000 souls were added to them. And so here's the answer to, to Christ's prayer on the cross. Father, forgive them though they had crucified him and put him to death. So now if God was willing to forgive someone that would put his son to death, 
then wouldn't he be willing to forgive us if we repented, regardless of what sin it might be? And that, that's what the, the, God's capacity to forgive is beyond our comprehension. I mean, I, I, I just really, I mean, you can try to think about it, but I don't believe you can fathom the depths of God's capacity to forgive. And, and that's a blessing. That's an opportunity he's provided for us. We don't deserve it. There's, there's nothing about us that deserves God's uh, love, patience, mercy, kindness, forgiveness. It's just absolutely through his grace he's made salvation possible to us. Uh, and, and so amazing opportunities are ours. So part of those opportunities is the opportunity for a second chance that God has given us all. And we're going to get a break, and when we get back, you know, those opportunities come with responsibilities. Uh, and uh, we need to talk about that as well, because certainly with the res- opportunities God has given us, he expects certain things from us. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about how the, those opportunities were presented to Jeroboam as well, or the responsibilities as well. We'll take your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Staying calm is the best way to take the wind out of an angry man's sails. Kind words take less breath than harsh ones. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk with Jim Michaels about uh, the sermon just presented during our gospel meeting on Jeroboam and making the parallels between him and his life and uh, us and our life. Yeah. The, the, the second thing that Actually, it's just a, a logical consequence of opportunity is responsibility. Always when we talk about opportunities, there's an associated discussion that has to take place about our responsibility because we have opportunities. That, that's true of all of us, but it, it sure was true of Jeroboam, Jim. Uh, yes, it was. And, and, you know, God expected him. And one of the, one of the persons that he helped, held up as an example before Jeroboam, obviously, was David. And David was a man that was after God's own heart. And he said, you didn't do like David, my servant, did. You know, he didn't seek him with his heart. And, of course, he didn't keep the commands of God. And he he failed. And, of course, even as you think the the next series of talking about the great evil, there were a number of things, obviously, that he did that were extremely wrong and extremely evil. And the reason being is, is because he failed in those responsibilities. He failed to put God first in his life. He failed... Uh, to uh, imitate David. David was a great example of a person who loved God and put God first. And uh, Jeroboam failed in that. He he simply did not do what God told him to do. He didn't keep the commandments of God. And any of the commandments, really, you you don't see anything much good about Jeroboam and Jeroboam's life. So there was an expectation. God, God chose him. He put him into this position. The people were willing to follow him and back him. Uh, 
there was an ex- expectation that if God's going to bless him in these ways, then then he needs to respond by obeying God and doing the will of God. A direct parallel to us. Uh, God is, as we were just describing, God has blessed us so incredibly, both materialistically and spiritually. We have, we're just overflowing with blessings from God, all kinds of opportunities that He affords us. The expectation from God then has to be pretty high that we will do His will and live faithfully in service to him. 877-381-4567 or in the chat room tonight. Have you, uh, what are your comments on uh, the opportunities that God has given us and the responsibilities that we have as a result? We'd love to hear your comments on the program tonight. Certainly, uh, Jeroboam had responsibilities, and quite frankly, he failed in taking advantage of the opportunities and f- living up to the responsibilities that God had given him. Yeah, he failed miserably, as we we look and see. And of course, as I said, you you know you can talk about all the evil things that he did. And the bottom line is that he simply didn't do uh, the commands of God and what God told him to do. And it was something that he obviously could understand. You know, God, uh, the Bible is given to us to read, and so that we can understand what God has said. Paul said, "When you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ." In Ephesians three, and certainly we can. Jesus said, "You know, in John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free." So it's there available to us, and what we have to do is to read it. But once we read it, <clears throat> then certainly we have to make application of it. You know, on one occasion, Jesus said, he said, you search the Scriptures, and they are they which testify of me. In other words, they had the Scriptures, they even searched the Scriptures, and they testified of him, but they still rejected him. I mean, you can know what the Scripture says, and uh, it's you, you can know it and understand it, but still, though, you can turn away and reject the things that you know that you should be doing. And that's, that's really what Jeroboam did. Jeroboam could understand what God said just as easy as David could. It was no secret to him yeah. what he needed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. And he could have done that, but he just didn't do it. Jesus said in uh, Luke twelve forty eight, to uh, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. I mean, that's... So, you got, you, you yeah, got these the opportunities? Yeah. You got these blessings? Okay, know that you're ju- you're going to be judged. You know, we were we were talking a moment ago about how much we have compared to even other people in the world. So if you're in some far remote, poverty stricken, distant corner of the world with almost you know you're struggling even to have the basic necessities of life, God has an expectation for that fella. But when you th- compare him to us with all that we have, you've got to know that his expectation of us is way higher. So we, we need to understand that. Just like God expected so much of Jeroboam in the very privileged position that he had been placed, surely God has a very high expectation on us. Yeah. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. You know, Jeroboam failed so miserably in fulfilling those responsibilities that he uh, jim you pointed out in your lesson he is held out as an example of really just ultimate you mentioned in your lesson how often it is mentioned uh that he uh, uh for instance you gave us the example second kings 13 uh, verses 1 and 2 he did evil in the sight of the lord and followed the sins of jeroboam the son of nebat who made Israel to sin. Uh, so this is talking about uh, Ahaziah, who followed the footsteps of Jeroboam. I, I counted one time, and now I've forgotten how many times that's been. But that statement, the sins of Jeroboam who made Israel to sin, 
I think it, it's in the teens. I think it's 12 or 14 times that, that that's mentioned throughout the progressive history of the nation of Israel, which was all, as you said, all the kings were bad. They were they, they just got worse and worse, and Jeroboam got the ball rolling. Yeah, he he was the worst one up to this to this time. Of course, Ahab, who comes after him, was was evil and wicked as well. But uh, Jeroboam was, and but but ever ever king, even those that were wicked <clears throat> after Jeroboam, he was still the great example of being yeah, being yeah. being truly truly wicked. And he was the one that was held up as the great example of, of just like you said, kind of got the ball to rolling. Uh, because of his rejections of the commands of God, uh, and just like you said, he had great opportunities, and and as a result of those great opportunities, then he had great responsibilities, and certainly he didn't didn't meet those things. It's kind of interesting that you mentioned, you know, the fact in some countries that people have so so much less than us. I, I know you remember, uh, Greg went to Moldova one year, and stayed with Sergei Korchimara. And uh, here here was a man who was a very educated man. He had a, a equivalent to a PhD. He was a microbiologist. His father was highly educated, and he had a probably equivalent to a doctor's degree himself and his mother as well. And yet they couldn't even afford fruit uh, to eat in their house. They made that, that, that little amount of money each month, and so they didn't have a lot. But, you know, God held them responsible, though, for obedience to the gospel. And Sergei obeyed the gospel. His mother obeyed the gospel, and his dad eventually obeyed the gospel before he died as well. And as, as far as I know, Sergey is still extremely faithful to this, this day and time and has really uh, kept the work in the city of Kishno and Moldova going. And uh, he had opportunity, and he had responsibilities. And here's a fellow that didn't have near as much as you and I have got, but yet he's meeting his responsibility. He's doing what God would have him to do. Just like you had Steve Klein the other night. Steve goes to Zimbabwe. I'm going to tell you, the people in Zimbabwe have so little in comparison to what we have from a material standpoint at least. But sometimes we see those individuals with such great deep faith and trust in God and faithfulness in services to God. You know, faithfulness to God doesn't depend on the material prosperity that we have, whether we have it or we don't have it, but it depends upon your heart. And I think that's one thing that, that Jeroboam liked. He, he liked that. And, and, of course, David was held up as an example. He said, you're not like David, my servant. David's heart was devoted to me. Jeroboam's was not. And so regardless of the material prosperity that we have or we don't have, we can still be faithful. Our hearts can be devoted to God, and we can still meet our obligations and responsibilities that we have, uh, even though we may not have as much as somebody else has. So we, we can do that, though. Um, Chris in Atlanta says we have the greatest responsibility ever given. He references the the Great Commission, Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, for uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost. So he said we have the greatest responsibility ever given. We're given the responsibility to go spread the gospel message, to teach the commands of God. We have the responsibility to be light in this dark world. We have the responsibility to love others. Uh, Jim, you mentioned that some of those kind of responsibilities, and sort of toward the the end of your lesson. You talked about some of those kinds of things, uh, 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 just the list that you put out there for us, some responsibility. This wouldn't even be a categorical listing. I mean, there are more things you could add to this oh, list. Oh, sure. But you said we, we have the responsibility to glorify and be thankful to God, to grow and become teachers, to teach others, to be reliable, uh, to set good examples before others, to submit to one another, to the elders of the church, 
to have and and when we have talent to use it you know you reference the the parable of the talents there in Matthew 25 beginning verse 14 we understand that the talents in that parable were well, that was a measure of money we understand mm-hmm. in that day but it's kind of interesting that the word talent to us means uh, you know yeah. our abilities and so here was the three talent man there was an expectation of him and he was to use his talents he and he uh, excuse me, five-talent man. The, the five-talent man gave gained five more. The two-talent man gave two more. And the praise for the two of them was the same. In other words, he didn't say the five-talent man, oh, you're the best of all because you gave me five talents of gain. He offered the same praise to the two-talent man that he did to the five-talent man. The only one he condemned was the one-talent man who didn't do anything. And so there's sort of a lesson there for us. Well, it's interesting, too, in Matthew 25, and just like you said, talent was money that was given. But in the text, it said it was given as each man had ability. Right. And so it's really talking about the ability that he had to use the talents or the money that was bestowed upon him. Just like you said, the man that had five, he gained five others, he committed him. The man that had two, he gained two others, and he committed him. And the reason for the condemnation of the one was that he failed to use it. If he had simply gained one other, then he would have had the same commendation that the other two would have had. He would have had another talent. You know, I'm afraid sometimes maybe the reason that we don't have more talents or more ability in serving the Lord is maybe we don't use what we have. We should use what we have, and if we use what we have, then the Lord will give us more ability to serve him. He relies upon on us. He trusts in us. Uh, And just like you said, and and just like the, the, the person that wrote that, Certainly he gave us uh, the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, and I, I couldn't help but think of that when you mentioned that. I, I just wonder how many people in the world in recent years have heard the gospel because gospel preachers in this country have gone to preach the gospel. You've gone yourself, and, and you've given other people opportunities as a result. And I know lots and lots of of, of our brothers and uh, brothers in Christ that are going and preaching the gospel. And so they're meeting their responsibilities and their obligations and fulfilling the responsibilities that they have given. I dare say that somebody taught us to begin with. Somebody took yeah. the time to teach me. So Jimmy and I have been uh, privileged to make some trips <clears throat> together overseas, and we won't tell about all the things that are involved in those uh, trips that we made, uh, uh, some of the housekeeping chores and everything else that went along with those kind of trips. But uh, it was a blessing to be able to go to have a part, just a very tiny, small part in some of that work. But we do have a – but, you know, I think sometimes when we go into all the world, preach the gospel of every creature, uh, I can't go. You know, I'm I'm just stuck here. You know, well, there's people right in my backyard, uh, across the fence, uh, a, co- a co-worker across the coffee table, or a coffee break table. Uh, you know, family members even that are not serving the Lord. I, you, there's work to be done wherever we find ourselves. You know, I've often said, you know, some of us can go, and others can support us, so we can go. But all of us can go across the street. So, yeah, yeah for sure. Now, you, 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 you take, talk about here the opportunities that we've been given and the responsibilities and the good that can come from capitalizing on those opportunities and, and fulfilling our responsibility. Jeroboam, on the other hand, failed in that regard, and he was a, 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 a bad example to those who followed after him, and we can be as well. You mentioned the fact that we have a great influence on our, our children, our grandchildren, those around us. We would hate to be in that same condemnation of Jeroboam as if they, they followed after their dad or their grandfather or their, 
their good friend. They're they're yeah. living evil like he did. You know, his, his daddy was one of the worst guys I ever knew, and he's just like him. Yeah. So you know that could be our legacy yep. instead of a good legacy. Yeah, Kyle, thoughts from you tonight? Uh, which I was gonna <clears throat> actually kind of about examples. Examples, of course, of sitting. Jeroboam, you mentioned about uh, Jeroboam when he set the idols up and he wanted to keep everybody in, uh, keep the ten tribes up there. It's just uh, if he would have obeyed to the letter what God commanded him, everything would have fallen into place. Everything like in our lives, it's and throughout the Bible, it's the example itself. It's everybody does what they want to do, what I want, my selfish reasons. I think it's just we're ready to be remindful, especially of that. If everything, if he would have done everything God had commanded him, everything would have been. It, where God's, it been God's really plan works, basically, is what time. you're saying. Always works. All right. We're going to get a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we'll continue the discussion, talking about some of those evil things that he did and paralleling those to things that we can do as well in this life. And we'd love to hear from you again, 877-381-4567, or sign in and comment in the chat room. We'll be back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. All of us have had the experience of buying a new gadget only to find that it doesn't work nearly as well in reality as it did on the TV infomercial or in that magazine ad that we saw. It's a frustrating thing when an item doesn't serve the purpose for which you bought it. Oh well, just one more thing to be added to the pile of things that are destined for the next garage sale, I suppose. Have you ever stopped to consider that God may have these same feelings or disappointments over ineffectual products that he's made? Paul wrote, quote, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, verse 10. Do you see it? The Father created us to accomplish good works. Those of us who are his children are supposed to fulfill his plan and accomplish these things in his service. How disappointed God must be when we don't serve the purpose for which we were created. Can you imagine how he feels when Christians live immorally, dress immodestly, talk indiscreetly, and act indecently? How it must disgust him when his own children won't worship him faithfully, fail to study regularly, seldom engage in effective prayer, almost never share the gospel with a lost soul, and neglect to show love and concern for their brothers and sisters in Christ. He bought us with the precious blood of his son, but we don't do what we're supposed to do. Just as we finally give up on useless products and throw them away or put them in the garage sale pile, God will ultimately give up on those who don't serve him faithfully. Jesus said, quote, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away. He is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. John 15, beginning verse 2. Christian, are you serving the purpose for which you were created? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Talk about with Jim Michaels about his sermon he preached to us tonight about Jeroboam. And uh, Jeroboam did all kinds of evil things in his life. Yeah, there was a lot of evil in the life of Jeroboam. And... And you you, you kind of get this progression. So here's a guy tremendously blessed with opportunities from God. And and God held him accountable uh, to use those opportunities. We've just been talking about the parallels with us. We're in that same shape, exactly. I mean, we're not appointed kings over a nation, but we're blessed with incredible opportunities. Therefore, there's a high expectation and responsibility placed upon us. Jeroboam just, just... 
completely went the wrong direction and, and committed all kinds of evil, Jim. Well, he did, and there are a number of things, obviously, and we, we noticed in 1 Kings 12, verses 26 and 27, his motive for doing that, much like he was talking about uh, just a moment ago. Uh, he didn't want the children of Israel to go up to the city of Jerusalem to worship because if he did, he was afraid that they would reject him and go back under the leadership of Rehoboam. And much, much like you said a while ago, but if he'd have done what was right, and if he'd have been for the people and loved the people, I, I, they would have responded to that. And, and I think they would have appreciated, appreciated a man that was a godly man that was looking out for them and for not just for their material, uh, you know, the material things, but for their spiritual well-being as well. You know, I think as, as we think about it, you know, somebody that loves us and cares for us and somebody that provides things for us, in particular spiritual spiritual guidance that can lead us to the Lord and, and lead us to faithful services to the Lord, I, I think we respond to that. I never have forgotten who it is that set, took time to sit on a Tuesday night and teach Sylvia and I. I still remember the person that baptized me. I still remember the night that I, that I obeyed the gospel. The same person that baptized me, that, that same person gave me opportunities to preach the gospel uh, in the beginning. And just numbers of things. And I never have forgotten that. And I appreciate that so much because, uh, you know, as I look back, back on those things, and I, I certainly needed some guidance and I needed a lot of help. And, and uh, because I had done numbers of things. I didn't have, God was one of the farthest things from my mind when I was a kid growing up. And uh, my dad wasn't a Christian. My mom wasn't a Christian. Nobody in our family was a Christian. And so <clears throat> somebody that would take the time to sit and study with me, and to teach me the gospel so I could be saved, and then give me opportunities to preach and help me to grow and, and become, uh, you know, a stronger Christian and, and to be a gospel preacher. You know, I, I appreciate it. And I think the people would have responded to Jeroboam if he'd have done what's right. Uh, he, he, he just had the wrong motive and the wrong ideal and the wrong thought to begin with. His heart just wasn't yeah, right. He didn't trust God, and he, no. he thought he had to do it his own way. And one of the amazing things you brought out in the in your sermon is the passage in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 28 through 30, where so he's worried about them going back to Jerusalem. So his solution to that is to build two golden calves. Now, that immediately ought to have raised a red flag. Not only did he build the calves, but he brought them out and said, these are your gods that brought you out of Egypt. How stupid could you be? Does he not know history? Yeah, but I guess we do the same thing. We we go down the same roads that we have examples of in the Bible, and we do this exact same stupid things. You pointed out in your lesson, Jim, that our idolatry is is materialism, covetousness. You know, I, 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 I honestly, I... And I'm sure there are in this world people who erect physical idols and bow down to them. But in our culture... I mean, I, I've never come across a person, I don't think, who... I mean, uh, th- th- there's some people who use religious symbols and so forth that I would disagree with, but I don't, they're, not, they're not offering sacrifices, burnt offerings to golden calves. But boy, we are really tempted with this idolatry of covetousness that Paul mentions in Colossians 3.5. Yeah, you, you know, you can make a God out of anything. I, I don't care what it is. And uh, the... And the the God that we have many times, instead of the God of heaven, just like you said, is the God of the material things. Uh, you, you know, we, we work overtime. Uh, maybe we forsake the assembly of our Lord just to have a, a few more dollars or, you know, to buy, buy something that we want or whatever the case might be. And, you know, we, we love those things and we're not willing to give back to the Lord as we, as we should. We're not willing to help our brothers and sisters in Christ, and if there's a material need that they may have. And, and yet here, here we are, we have all kinds of 
material blessings <clears throat> and material prosperity. And yet, you know, we want to cling to those things and hold on to those things. I'm going to tell you, we can't cling to them and we can't hold on to them because we're going to leave them behind for somebody else for sure. But can't yeah. serve God and mammon, that's for sure. That's exactly right. All right. 877-381-4567 on the program tonight. The chat room's quiet. If you've got some comments you'd like to share, let us know. Um, to Chris's email from Atlanta, he said, We as a nation are committing great evil with embracing homosexuality, filthiness, murdering unborn babies, and so forth. Some in the church are doing evil by remaining silent and not sharing the gospel. I've heard it said that you cannot go to heaven alone. I don't agree with that, but I do think you cannot go to heaven remaining silent all your Christian life. We commit evil with our idols of TV, sports, recreation, materialism, refusal to give as we've been prospered, and so forth. There's just a lot of ways that we can sin as a, as a blessed people with tremendous responsibilities to use our blessings we can sin in a lot of ways. Yep, absolutely. And one of the ways that uh, Jeroboam sinned, Jim, was just to make up the rules as he saw fit. He he, he invented a lot of things that, that suited him, and, and I think we are tempted to do that as well. Yeah, I, I think in 1 Kings 12, verses 32 through 33, and th- those two verses, I think, emphasize that that aspect of, of Jeroboam more than any any, uh, any of the verses. You know, it, it starts out with Jeroboam ordained a feast, and then like the feast, you know, that was in Judah, and said, so he did at Bethel. And you can just go on down through there and just read every time it says, he did. And so it was all about him, and it wasn't about God. It was all about what he wanted to do and what made him feel good instead of what God commanded and what God requires. And, and the, we can do the same thing. We can be guilty of, of some, some some things very similar uh, you, you know, sometimes it's what I want to do and what makes me feel good instead of, you know, well, what does God want me to do? And what would God have me to do in this situation? And and you, you remember the kids wore those little bracelets, what would Jesus have me to do several, several years ago? And that, that was a pretty good thing. Uh, but the only problem is that they'd wear that and they didn't really care about it, what it Jesus was, was jewelry, to do. But it, it was jewelry, it, but it didn't it really be, affect their yeah. lives. But if, but if, if we let that, that principle affect our yeah. lives, it's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Um, they, as you were pointing out, when he when he ordained that feast, when he ordained priests of the lowest sorts of people, when he made himself effectively the high priest, uh, of course, that was, he was just inventing a religion out of thin air. There wasn't any basis there in anything that God had ever revealed. Uh, and you think, man, how how could he do that? And then you think, how could people follow him? in doing that, but they did. You see a lot of that in the world today. People inventing religious practices completely from their own imaginations, no basis in the Bible, and then lots of people following it. Yeah, just sort of blindly following those things just because they put the name religion on them. And they may be mirror or very or related somehow to what God has said to do, but they're different and they're not what God said to do. Yeah, people just go along with it. Well, it's, it's religion, so it must be all right. Yeah, the, the, the feast that Jeroboam made, he says he made a feast like the feast that was in Judah. And so if you're going to invent your own religion, you don't just go out here and go, you know, make it look like some bizarre thing. Yeah. You, 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 you want to keep it close enough to the to the real deal yeah. that you can deceive people, and, and that's what he did. So Jeroboam sort of a classic example of a religious innovator, very much evil. And again, the repeated phrase about him, uh, the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, 
which made Israel to sin. He sinned. He made them sin. And one of the things, too, that, that you said, his religion that he really created was a religion of convenience. Mm-hmm. Think of what people are looking for this day and time. They want something that's easy. Yeah. They want something where they don't have to sacrifice. You, you know, it's just like this ideal of faith only. You know, you, you know, uh, the Bible doesn't teach that we're saved by faith only. Of course, you, you know as well as I do, the only place that faith only is used is that we're not justified by faith only. I mean, that's the only place that James two twenty four, right? Yeah, those those two two words together. But but think think of how many people believe that, and how many people practice that, yeah. a- and they come to the end of their life, and the only thing they've ever done is had faith, mental faith, that God is and that God exists, and yet they have never done what the Lord tells him to do. He said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. So we have to do. And so that's a a religion of convenience. It it doesn't cost anything. I don't have to sacrifice for it. And that's that's really why the people uh, did and uh, followed Jeroboam, because because of that. It was convenience. Uh, Jim, in your lesson, you, you spent some time concentrating on an expression about Jeroboam you have cast me, God told him, you have cast me behind your back. I was trying to think of, of, of sort of maybe a, an illustration of that. You know, things you don't want, things that are not important to you, throw away. But throw, for instance, if you go buy a house, and I've had, I've had this at my house, you know, we've, uh, my son Joel's sitting here. He, he, when he was in school, he drug a lot of old cars home. We tried to park them in the backyard. We cast them behind it. You know, just, you know, you put your junk in the back. You don't put your junk out in front where people will see it. You put your trash and stuff in back. So, the, I, uh, to me, that expression you've cast. God said, Jeroboam, you've cast me behind your back. Sort of the idea is you've thrown me away like something of no value. You don't care about. Um, and and well, we've got to be careful about that. Uh, Disregarding, dis, uh, uh, failing to value the things of God. Yeah, and he's just like we've said all along. He's given us so many things that are of immense value, and, and particularly those things that are spiritual nature. We, you know, we've talked about the material things, and we do. We have an abundance of material things. But I, I'm going to tell you, that's not our greatest riches. Our greatest riches is the fact that we have a relationship with Him through Jesus, our Lord. And because of that sacrifice that we can be forgiven. And as the children of God, we have an avenue to talk to him in prayer and stuff. And, and those are the things that we should value. You, you know, if we if we don't pray to God like we should, and if we don't put God first in our lives, haven't we done just exactly what Jeroboam did? Haven't we cast God behind our back? And much like you said, we don't realize the uh, if we don't put God first, then he obviously is not that important to us. Yeah. And he should be that important to us. And, and Jeroboam did that in a number of ways, and we can be guilty of the same thing. And you mentioned Matthew six thirty three: Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So here's your, here's your two ends of the spectrum. You can cast God behind you as obviously something of, that you don't value or prize, or you can put God right out in front. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And uh, th- that's our choice. It was Jeroboam's choice. It's our choice. What are you going to value? Yeah, yeah, that phrase reminded me also of what Jesus said uh, while he was here to Peter, to Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. 
you know, we, we, he wanted Peter behind him. He didn't want him in his way. He didn't want to go in that direction. He wanted him behind him. And I think that's what Jeroboam's doing here with God. He doesn't want God in his way. He's going to go one way. And, and, and so God's get behind me. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And, and I'm not going to yeah, don't, don't be between me and what, what I, want. I want. I want. And people have that, that same attitude towards God today in the scriptures. Yeah. I don't, but those things are going to get in the way of me doing what I want to do. And so get him behind me. Yeah. You know, in Colossians 3, one of the things, too, that he tells us to set our affections on things above. In other words, there's where our, where our sight should be as we look by faith toward heaven and keep that goal before us and keep, keep the ideal in front of us that, you know, we often talk about the beauty of heaven, that, and, and it is a beautiful place, obviously, as, he, as the, John the Revelator reveals to us. But, you know, the greatest thing about heaven is who's there. God, our Father, is there, and Jesus, our Savior, is there, and our Revelator is there. And so we should always keep that in front of us and before us and keep our affection set on things above and not on things upon this earth. Far too many of us have our affections on things here, and we put the Lord behind us. And that's what we're focused in on instead of focusing in on our our services to him, I think. All right, let's take a break one more time, and then we'll go to the top of the hour. Jeroboam paid a price. He was he was judged and he was punished, and uh, that same punishment can come to us as well if we follow in his footsteps. We'll talk about that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four five six seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we'll do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight, or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Here's a breakdown of the global religious landscape based on an analysis of more than 2,500 censuses, surveys, and population registers. There are 2.2 billion Christians, 32% of the world's population, 1.6 billion Muslims, 23% of the population, 1 billion Hindus, 15% of the world's population, 500 million Buddhists, 7%, 400 million people, 6% that practice various folk traditional religions, including African traditional religions, Chinese folk religions, American Indian religions, and Australian Aboriginal religions. There are 14 million Jews and an estimated 58 million people, slightly less than 1% of the global population, that belong to other religions, including the Baha'i faith, Jainism, Sikhism, Shintoism, Taoism, and so forth. About half of all professed Christians in the world are Catholic. 37% are part of a Protestant religion. 12% are Orthodox Greek or Russian. The largest population of self-proclaimed Christians, 243 million, is found in the United States. That's followed by Brazil, Mexico, Russia, the Philippines, Nigeria, and China. All that information is via the Pew Forum. 
The Word of God says in Acts 17, beginning verse 22, Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk with Jim Michaels about uh, lessons from Jeroboam and what we can learn from him. And certainly Jeroboam had great opportunities and responsibilities, and he failed, uh, did terrible evil, and uh, he was uh, punished as a result of that. Yeah, uh, Jim, the the punishment was not a minor thing either. The, I mean, the pretty pretty strong judgment of God came down on Jeroboam and his household. Yeah, he did. One thing was that, and of course it was Jeroboam's wife that was sent to Ahijah the prophet to begin with to ask about the son who was sick. And of course the the son dies uh, that, that we can see, and he he pronounces that in verses verses twelve. He tells Jeroboam's wife that uh, he will die. He said, Arise, therefore, and go to your house. And when your feet enter the city, said the child shall die. You know, sometimes we may wonder about God and God's mercy and judgment and whether God cares about a little child. One one thing about a child dying is that little child has absolutely nothing to worry about. In that case, you have to think that that child was blessed by dying. He he didn't follow the steps of his father Jeroboam. Which he he would have done most definitely if he had lived. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's the thing that we have to look at in that, uh, w- with that. You know, I always think about a little child dying, and, and it's 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 a tragic thing, in particular to the to the parents of the child. And I, I've seen that happen, and I know you have too. But you know, I try to tell the parents all the time that the child is the child has never done anything to be lost. The child has always been in a, in a safe condition, and so the, the little child will be in heaven. And so, what better place to be? And just like you said. This child wouldn't follow in the steps of Jeroboam, and most likely may well have followed. But you know, a child has a—you know—they're creatures of choice, and they can choose. Uh, uh, Hezekiah did. You know, his his dad was evil and wicked, and yet Hezekiah chose to be righteous. His son chose to be evil, but Hezekiah did what was right. This child could have could have chosen to do what's right, but. Uh, he could have chosen to do what was wrong, but yet he's in a safe condition. And, and not only that, but we see his house, the house of Jeroboam, was destroyed as well. Yeah, the, the, he was told that all of his descendants would be cut off. And, and, and a subsequent king, Baasha, actually fulfilled that uh, judgment on the house of Jeroboam and killed off all of his living relatives, uh, just as it had been prophesied it would happen. So, I mean, a really strong judgment. Because this king with great opportunities and associated responsibilities did not do the right thing. Now, we got a lot of people in the religious world today who believe that God is just such a loving God that he would never harshly punish anyone. I mean, when we speak about judgment for us, when we think about the possibility of hell, there are lots of In fact, I think probably the majority of people who even want to deny the reality of hell, and and one of their principal arguments is God is just such a loving God that He could never bring Himself to punish anyone like that. But all so many Old Testament accounts. And here's another one: Jeroboam. Look at the harsh judgment against Jeroboam. Yeah, and one of the things too, I, I preached a lesson on this just recently of talking about, uh, you know, God is faithful. Uh, that expression is used several times in the New Testament of talking about God is faithful. And if you look at the context of many of those verses where it talks about God is faithful, it's talking about not just from a positive uh, standpoint, 
that if God makes a promise to save you, that he'll save you if you're faithful to him. But also, if he promises to punish you, God's faithful, and he'll punish you. Yeah. I mean, if God's faithful, then he's going to do what he says. And part of what he says is that he will cast those off and send them to hell, those that don't believe him and those that don't do what he tells us to do. And so he's faithful in doing that as well. Romans 11, I think, verse 22, he says, you know, behold the goodness and severity of God. Right. And, of course, you know, the context and the setting of that is the fact of where he has broken off the Jews from from the, the olive tree. And he warns the Gentiles, though he had grafted them into that tree, he said, I'll break you off as well if you're not faithful. Now, if God is faithful, will he break them off? And will he cast he them he off? He and he said he would. Yeah. And so... Uh, if he's faithful and he can't lie, then that's exactly what he's going to do. And he did the same thing with Jeroboam. I mean, uh, God will punish those who are not faithful and loyal to him and those that don't obey. You know, John 3, verses 3 and 5, he said, Unless a man is born again, he said, he shall not see the kingdom of God. Well, will he do that? He if, he I'm not, if I'm not born again, am I going to be saved or am I going to be lost? Yes, well, I, think that's a, I don't know, Jim, if I've ever heard it said that way. God is faithful. We want him to be faithful about rewarding the good we do. You know, you mentioned in your sermon tonight, Second Corinthians 5, verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Well, I want God to reward me for the good I've done, and I sure hope he keeps his word about that. Of course, we have every reason to believe he would keep his word about that. Sure. But if he's going to keep his word about that, he's going to keep his word about the other part, too. He's going to reward me for the bad I've done, yeah, too. That's a knife that cuts both ways, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. All right. Uh, we're just about out of time. I think you've got some comments there from Chris. Yeah, Chris just simply said, uh, this is Chris from Georgia. He says, we will all face judgment to give an account, and that should cause us to think soberly and adjust our lives accordingly. Uh, well said, Chris. I, I mean, that's just the, the long and short of it right there. Certainly, uh, and Jim, the, we, the, we can't escape the judgment. There's no, there's no denying that. No, he says all will appear before the judgment that they may receive the things that are done in the body, whether good or evil. And so every person will be there. And I don't, I don't care who you are. And it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, educated or uneducated. All of us will be there. And uh, we'll all have to answer for how we've lived. You know, uh, Jacob, you don't have to answer for me, and I'm glad you don't. And, uh, but uh, uh, like myself, uh, you, you know, I've got enough to answer for myself. But by the grace and mercy of God, I can be forgiven, and I can have hope of, e- hope of eternal life. You know, grace is receiving something that I don't deserve, and mercy is withholding something that I do deserve. Uh, you know, grace is God giving me eternal life if I am faithful to him, and his mercy withholds what I deserve, and what I deserve is damnation because of my sins. But because of what Jesus has done for me, I can be forgiven, and I can have hope. Yeah. I've got I've got several comments in uh, in the YouTube chat room that I have not been able to keep up with tonight. Anthony in the uh, the, the chat room has mentioned saints were murdered, tortured, beat, cha- beaten, chained up, stoned for the cause of Christ. Revelation says it all. We need to repent because we have become lukewarm. I think that's true. Uh, he says the apostles were well known throughout the world. Acts seventeen verse six. If Paul we're here today. People would hate him like they did in the first century, like they hated Christ. Stephen was stoned for the truth. We need to stop worrying so much about whether or not we're going to offend someone with the truth. We must please God rather than men. It's sad that the church is allowing 
groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons to do more evangelism than we do. We must contend for the faith, Jude 3. Uh, so uh, be careful about being men-pleasers, he mentions in Galatians 1, verse 10. All right, good. Thank you for those comments tonight, Anthony. Uh, good discussion tonight. Kyle, anything uh, that you'd like to add? Uh, which I just, this goes for myself and anybody who's listening who has not and continues to live as a Christian. It's a, Don't wait till you're in torment. Don't wait till you're separated from God and hell to, to think about what could I have done differently in my life. I think now is the time. Just change it now <laughs> and don't sit there in torment saying, wish I could have done this. I think it's just change your lives now. So. Absolutely. Jim, thanks for being here tonight and for your good sermon and for joining us on the virtual Bible Well, thanks for the invitation. Great, I really appreciate it. Great that. to be with you. And, Dad, uh, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Hope you made it from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.